Are you looking for expert analysis and the latest news in the promotional products industry? You must be, because you're listening to the Promo Marketing Podcast. Okay, do you know what today is, Brendan? I hope so. I don't think you do, because today, May 18th, 2021, we're recording this episode. It is the 20th anniversary of the theatrical release of Shrek, my friend. Okay. The Shrek, the movie, this makes the movie so phenomenon. much sense. My Twitter feed has been going nuts about Shrek and, by extension, Smash Mouth because they're on the oh, soundtrack. Oh no! Yes, and I didn't two know are why. I just keep people talking about Shrek and Smash Mouth. The internet I, is is all Shreked up today, man. It's it, that's all anybody wants to talk about. Yeah, so I hope everyone's really excited for our extremely Shrek themed. <laughs> promo marketing podcast today um i gotta ask were you a shrek guy I, I i was yeah I, I was not i just i don't know if i was too old when it came out because that was like 2001 so i would have been in high school i don't know what year i guess a, a sophomore junior whatever i just it just passed me over man i never got into it and i was a big um big mike myers fan like I was, I was the kid quoting all the Austin Powers movies in the '90s. So I don't know. It just you were that one guy quoting I was the, Austin the, Powers. I was the only one. I know it was like this little underground movie that you probably never heard of. That That's cool. Austin I was Powers the guy was. quoting Borat. <laughs> you still are the guy quoting Borat. I'm the. I got a monopoly on Borat quotes, but uh, I was a Shrek guy. I think. Well, I'm a few years younger than you, so it was definitely more my demographic. And so I was that age where I could see Austin Powers, so I knew Mike Myers and stuff. And I knew plus I Wayne's world, obviously. Yeah, which... Wayne's world and everything like that. But I guess had had like all the nutty professor movies come out because I knew I knew Eddie Murphy, but I didn't really I don't think I knew why. Because I don't think I seen like Beverly Hills Cop yet. At that yeah, point. I think you were you were probably too young for his uh, his stand up specials at that point. Yeah, oh for sure. Now having seen them as an adult, yeah. I might I might still be too young for his stand up specials, I think. Yeah. But no, yeah, I like Shrek and I here's a you know, kind of to date ourselves a little bit. I remember, I think I saw Shrek 2 at a drive-in movie theater. Man, that's, that's wild. I, I don't yeah. think, uh, I, yeah, I definitely missed them in theaters, caught up with them on home video. And like, I, even now it's, I, maybe it's because I wasn't big into them as, uh, you know, in my youth, but it, you know, my kids just aren't into them either. I don't know if it's, we haven't played them enough or whatever, but mm. That will not happen, I, I assure you. Uh, I, know, I haven't seen it in so long, so maybe it just really is kind of a 2001 time capsule where your kids are just like, what is... like The, the humor and sensibility of all of it just isn't... I don't know, man. It's it's the up. fact that it's blowing up this much today on the internet is is a testament to the enduring legacy of Shrek, I think. So. Yeah, you got to hand it to him. Maybe it's a good excuse for you guys to try it again in the Norris household. Um, I bring this up, though, because the, I, there is a promotional products tie-in. Uh, otherwise, I would not be talking Shrek today on this program. Um, I, I cannot think of Shrek. You know, whenever I, I, I see it, think about it, whatever, there's two things that come to mind. One is Smash Mouth, obviously. Naturally. Um, two is, I, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but it is the most probably the most insane promotional product that's ever been created. The Shrek TV. I don't know that I've seen it, the Shrek TV. It was this color TV, like one of the small, you know, tube desktop ones. Mm-hmm. It had this plastic shell with like, it, it was Shrek green through and through. The whole thing, just nothing but green. Little ogre ears on every button. Shrek logo at the top. Even the remote had ogre ears. Like this thing was just 
shreked out fully. And it, it, my friend had one and it was like the centerpiece of his house. Like every time anybody came over, it was like, check out the Shrek TV. Like that, that was, <laughs> I don't know what happened to it. It's probably worth a lot of money right now. Um, Did it play but, anything other than Shrek? <laughs> at his house, no, but I think it could. It had, it had a built-in built uh, VCR tape player Ooh. on there. Uh, so it was that, it's like that and Smash Mouth, the two things when I think of Shrek, that's it. So that's that's our promotional I, products tie-in for the day. That is my contribution to this wonderful day on the internet. Is, is Shrek Day? Although Shrek by the TV. time by the time anyone listens to this, it'll be everybody will have forgotten about Shrek already. There's so probably someone listening thinking like either they had it or maybe their kids had it. like that damn Shrek TV. Like they kept it in the middle of the living room. Like I can't imagine. Before you even described it, I pictured it and I was right. Did you <laughs> did you pull it up just now? Because uh, if no. not, I'll, I'll send you the link after this and you can, you can see it in all its glory. I'll post it in the show notes too so everybody can see it. There's a, there's a YouTube oh, video yeah. where you can get it. Somebody will give us a breakdown of it. That's pretty much right, yeah. I mean, you weren't kidding. <laughs> the looking at it has it. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. There's ears everywhere. Anyway, yeah. welcome to the Promo Marketing Podcast. <laughs> we are not a Shrek podcast, I assure you. I promise you. Uh, we are a podcast covering the promotional products industry, which uh, we got a little little taste of that up top. We're going to get more into that as we go here. Uh, I am your host, Sean Norris, Editor-in-Chief of Promo Marketing, joined as always by Brandon Menefe, Senior Digital Editor. Our guests today are Jerry and Max Barker of Barker Specialty Company. They joined this fine program to talk about NFTs, specifically how Barker has really jumped into this arena as kind of uh, an early adopter and some of the cool things they're experimenting with using NFTs. Um, this is kind of a buzzy topic that's also all over the internet these days. It's like Shrek and NFTs. That's the only two things anybody's talking about. Um, but Jerry and Max, they did a really, really great job of breaking down, you know, what NFTs are uh, and more importantly, explaining their vision for, you know, where they see them fitting in promo both now and in the future. Um, so if you've never heard of NFTs before, or you don't know much about them, this is a really great introductory course on, you know, what they are. Uh, but if you do know a little bit about them already, I think there's some really great stuff in here for you know, how this all relates to promo and some of the potential opportunities there. And uh, the, those guys are doing a, a really awesome job of kind of spreading the word and building education with their, their clients and also within the industry. So some really cool stuff. You don't want to miss that. Um, you know, tune in a couple minutes when we get there. Uh, the only thing I wanted to get to before we, uh, we cut to the interview is there was one story um, that thought would be cool to get into with you, Brendan, it is the Starbucks Korea, uh, yep. what they're doing with some, some branded merchandise over there. Do you want to give us the rundown on this? Yeah. You know, um, we did a story, it was in, uh, last July where they had Starbucks Korea had released a line. It was like a suitcase, like a, like a little summer go bag. And they also had a branded chair and it just went absolutely crazy over there. People were, you know, killing themselves to get this thing. This was like a rewards program, right? They had to yeah, exactly. buy a certain number of drinks to rack up enough points. Yep. You get, it's, they were called them e-frequency stamps. Basically, you know, you go to a coffee shop and they, you know, punch a hole in your card. This is just a bit more of a sophisticated version of that. But, you know, in light of that, other branding or other companies in Korea have seen the success of that and been like, well, let's do it too. And they're, you know, kind of just using the exact same play or you're doing like the the summer bag, like picnic sets, you know, there's a bakery group that's doing it. McDonald's has a whole picnic set with branded products who get uh, Big Macs. And there's a quote from a uh, 
you know, a branding industry source over in Korea. This is published in the Korea Times. They said, it's not the item itself that people like. People like merchandise with the Starbucks logo on them. If a firm does not have a strong brand power, its collectible merchandise has to be a quality product because if it's not, then people won't even look at it. So, you know, you take things like McDonald's and Starbucks, which, you know, are fine. They're obviously global institutions, but they're not luxury brands by any stretch. We make a nice product. It doesn't really matter that the Starbucks logo is on it for some people. Yeah, and I think there's a lot to unpack in that quote because there's there's a couple ways to look at it. One, I, I think it's hard to argue with the fact that the Starbucks logo carries a ton of of cachet, right? Like yeah. people are lining up. Uh, clearly, when this launched last summer, people in, in Korea were going nuts over this stuff and it, it was a phenomenon. Um, but also the, the, the merchandise was, was really nice too. So it's, it's, you know, it's not just a logo. I mean, this was like a hard shell bag, uh, kind of luggage suitcase looking thing. And then, uh, you know, a folding summer chair as they were calling it. Uh, but it all looked really nice. So I don't know that, you know, these are these other brands that are kind of embracing this and going the same route. I think there will probably be some variance in, you know, how much adoption that, that people, you know, how much people buy in. Like, I don't know if, um, you know, it says here a local coffee house chain at Tucson place is offering discounts on camping products when customers purchase frozen desserts as chain stores. Like, I don't know anything about a Tucson place. I don't know if people in Korea are going to go nuts for that the same way they would for Starbucks. Yeah. I think there'll be diminishing returns. And obviously, you know, I say you and I are on the same page of disagreeing that the, the product doesn't matter as long as the logo's on there. Right. I think the Starbucks thing just kind of got lucky where it became a fad. I don't know. It just hit those buttons the same way Lincoln Park shirts did in China yeah. or any, anything like, you know, like live strong bracelets here. You needed to have one. You didn't necessarily care. I mean, it's not what, that the. What's really interesting to me about this and what's fun about it is that Starbucks basically started a promotional products gold rush in, in Korea. Like they, they did this thing and it's almost like all of a sudden everybody over there was like, oh wow, the promotional products, this is, this is a thing people really like. Yeah. But if, if you scroll down this, this list in the Korea Times of, of other companies and, and brands that are doing this, so you've got Lot Confectionery, whatever that is, uh, they're doing a collaboration with a US camping brand. Um, it says in, in the article that if they the bags that they're giving out look almost ex- identical to the ones that Starbucks gave. Um, you've got Lot Mart, uh, Home Plus, to some place, which we mentioned, SPC Group, which is a bakery franchise, uh, McDonald's that you mentioned. Uh, there's there's just a ton. You can scroll down here and there's there's like, I don't even know how many are in the list in this article. And there's probably more that aren't in here. But they're all doing like camping products and outdoor stuff. So it's like they saw Starbucks do it and they're like, yep. This worked same. so well. We're gonna do the exact same thing. Yeah. But that's just, I, you know, whether they, whether it works or not, I think it's just, it's pretty cool. It is no, it's definitely cool, and I think it's a real like affirmation for the promotional products industry to like, you know, to use a phrase this around a lot. They they work. They you yeah. know, people want them. And I don't know. I I know next to nothing about you know the state of branded merchandise and promotional products in South Korea, and you know how big that industry is over there. If it's even a thing, or if it's you know the U.S. based companies are providing merchandise for the the Starbucks that's that's based in Korea. I, I have no no clue how it works. Um, but it's it seems like this is kind of an introduction, or at least a we'll call it an inflection point because that sounds cool. But like this is 
maybe this is a springboard for you know more adoption of promotional products and branded merchandise over there to to begin with, which is great for for the industry overall. Sure. Yeah. It's you know it's a proof of concept that it works over there at least. Yeah. Super cool. Um, you could check out that. Uh, we'll ha- we should have a story up by the time this episode airs on the the uh, the gold rush, the Starbucks inspired gold rush in, in Korea. Um, if not, you can check out last year's coverage to see you know the original uh, rewards promo that they did over there and, and why people were going nuts for that. So just just uh, magazine.promomarketing.com. Search on our uh, on our news site uh, Starbucks Korea, and you should find it pretty easily. Uh, but that's all I got. You got anything else you want to get into before we jump into our interview today? Uh, you know, I mean, we, we could talk about the hot dog noodles and all that. But <laughs> We could talk about that. I'm always up to talk about that. It'd be weirder now if we didn't. And now we're just like <laughs> left it at that. But real quick, you know, this is something we did the other day while we got on the topic of the Shrek, how, how just how heavily themed it was. Uh, ballpark, you know, like Ballpark Franks, the hot sure. dog company. I'm sure they do more than that, but I'm. They used to give away Phillies tickets in the packages. Of they hot did. Dogs. They, that was my favorite promo. They absolutely ever. did. Um, but they, you know, they, they they did a promotion where they made an actual change.org uh, petition to make the official start of summer May 20th. You know, we've all had a long year. We're all ready for summer right now. So if you go and sign this petition, you're automatically entered for a prize pack of like a kiddie pool a hot dog, like in, like an inflatable hot dog pool float, flip flops, sunscreen. But my favorite part is there's a regular pool noodle, but it has little grill marks in it. For, Which you is know, such such a, a nice t- touch, like something that's, that's really easy to do, but it sets it apart and it gets people talking, which yep. we're, we're doing right now. Because yep. regular pool noodle, eh, pretty Fine. cool. Pool noodle that looks like a hot dog, instant winner. That's an instant conversation starter too. Like if, even if it's... If you just bring it to the beach one day or your friend's pool. Yeah, like, oh, what? hey, man, where'd you get that pool? You... Oh, ballpark. The, the you hot dog. Did that yourself? <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't inspire any copycats who yeah. just want to grill up their regular pool noodles. That's, that's that a... not be good. I do not recommend doing that at home. I don't either. But I just thought it was really fun. Uh, yeah, killer prize pack. I mean, all, yeah. all the stuff in it. I mean, it all ties in with that summer theme, which is what they're going for. Um Nice little attention to detail, like with the grill marks and some of the other products. So just nice, nice job, Ballpark. Yeah, I just want to give a quick shout out to Ballpark. And if you want to give Sean and me uh, Phillies tickets anytime soon, that'd be, <laughs> be killer. Yeah, well, uh, you, you can find me at snorris at napco.com. Just say, yep. send over the digital copies of the tickets are fine. Yep, that's fine. While we're on the topic of digital versions of things, let's get into this interview about NFTs. <laughs> Beautiful transition. Uh, here's our interview with Jerry and Max. Uh, actually, for the first time in what? Uh, 45 episodes. I was flying solo on this one. Uh, missed you on there. Yeah, I know. I'm, I had a little personal emergency, but all no worries. Up now it was uh, just don't ever let it happen again. I, I don't know I, if I could. I don't know if I could do it on my. Own. <laughs> I burned my one <laughs> emergency day. But uh, anyway, here here we go. I just start conversation with Jerry and Max. Jerry, Max, thanks so much for joining the show today. We really appreciate you uh, stopping by here on the virtual the virtual chat. Um, really cool topic, something that I you know I, we haven't seen too much of in the industry yet, if really any at all. You guys are kind of blazing a trail here, so really wanted to have you come on and talk about it. Um, but before we get to that, do you want to just give some intros and, and background on yourselves and your company, just for everybody listening? Uh, thanks so much, Sean. We're very happy to be here. Very happy to be with you. Um, you know, Barker Specialty Company is one of the oldest promotional products companies in the country. It was started by my parents, Gloria and Herb Barker, in the 1950s. And, um, you know, really, I, I grew up in the industry, so I saw what happened when uh, 
when you're trying to sell items, at first you didn't even know where to source them from. My father used to go to the library to get the Thomas Registry of Corporations to try to find companies and then would call them up to ask if they could print balloons, for example, or if they could etch glassware. And that's how we uh, had sources of supply. So we've been in this industry for a long time. I've seen all the changes. And um, you know, I have a background, personal background. I'm a graduate of the University of Chicago Business School. I've lived in many places around the world, been running Barker Specialty Company since 1985, and have totally enjoyed uh, the ride at every step of the way. And love our staff of nearly 100 people who are really some of the best uh, promo leaders in the country. Awesome. And I, Max Barker, I grew up in the industry effectively as well. Um, from my perspective, though, I was never really pressured to be involved on a uh, business level. So I got to see all the things and all the gifts and all the trinkets. And that always had something up its sleeve and always knew how to present anything in such an awesome, exciting way. So I could get excited over uh, any desk toy or what, what have you. Um, and for me, I'm a creative person. I have a background in music production and I studied entrepreneurship and business at Syracuse University um, and went on to slowly get more into the custom world. I was working on a, a custom coffee sleeve startup that I loved very dearly as it was so simple. One product with endless customization and when my clients started asking me for things like mugs and towels and merch, um, I started to see, holy cow, this is quite overwhelming. And nevertheless, realized, okay, this is actually really exciting and a colorful world to step into. This could be a really big, uh, exciting future if I really grasped it. So luckily, um, I enjoyed a lot. And I joined Barker Specialty. Uh, this is my fourth year and, and it's going great. Um, and I love the creativity and working with people. Very cool. So since NFTs are pretty new, uh, I thought it might be good if you guys can give an overview of you know what exactly they are and maybe some examples. I think the most famous NFT as of right now is that the digital art piece that sold it was like $69 million at Christie's auction. Uh, that's the one that got all the headlines, at least to start. I've seen some more since then. But you, know, you guys are the experts here. I have a working knowledge, but I'm going to let you explain it for our audience the best you can. Michael Winkleman, who is an artist under the name of Beeples, he had created artwork every day for 14 years. And he compiled this and actually sold this, you're right, at a Christie's auction for over $60 million. Um, the NFT space is very interesting. So first, what, what are NFTs? What does the, the, name, the acronym even mean? It stands for non-fungible token. And when people hear non-fungible token, right away, they're, they're wondering, what the heck is this? Yeah, your eyes glaze so, over you, what? <laughs> your eyes glaze before you even started. Um, so interesting enough, the semantics of this whole world, this whole crypto world is uh, sort of interesting too, because it's ever-changing. And a lot of the words have sort of multiple meanings. But anyway, let's break it down, non-fungible token. So we'll take what what is non-fungible, because that's really the adjective. Um Something is fungible when it can be easily exchanged for something else. So if, Sean, if you and I had a checking account and you put in $10 and I put in $10 and we take out $10, we don't know whose $10 that is um, because that those dollars are easily recognized as uh, they could be from either of us. Non-fungible means it's not exchangeable. It's unique. 
So we could actually change the word to a UT, a unique token. So that's where, so that's the non-fungible part. Now the token part is a little tricky because token could represent a lot of things. For example, a token could be a dollar bill. That's a token of exchange. Um, in the NFT world, the token really represents a right to a contract. And while that doesn't make a lot of sense, um, what, at the end of the day, what it really means is that it's a unique item that's been created on the blockchain. And that's probably the easiest way to understand this. So what ended up happening was um, NFTs have been around for a very long time, but during the pandemic, a number of artists realized that they could take their artwork, they could create it as NFTs and people will buy them. And this was great for artists because they weren't selling in galleries, they weren't selling at street fairs and they needed a way of selling. Um, and then a lot of collectors, a lot of people who are, are interested in the space and interested in helping artists said, you know what, we're going to buy these things. They're pretty creative and pretty interesting. And when you look at NFTs, you could actually go, oh my God, I don't like that. I don't like that. Oh my God, I love that. That's so the, the best thing I ever saw. So as people started selling these, more and more people started making them. And it became a whole world of, uh, of NFT artists creating these and selling them. And one of the things they really liked about it, one of the things that was uh, very attractive to the artist is that normally when an artist creates a painting or any piece of art and they sell it, once they sell it, the next person who buys it has no relation to the original artist. They see their name on the artwork, but there's, no, there's just no uh, relationship cont contractually. NFTs, because they're minted by the artist on the blockchain, the artist is always part of any future sale. And in some of the platforms, they're giving royalties on any future sale. And this became very interesting to a lot of artists. Um, and what's funny about it is when you think about it, I'm sure we all have art on our walls. How many of us sell art regularly? Um, it isn't a really an asset that people exchange on a regular basis. But people start thinking that NFTs would be something that would be exchanged on a regular basis. And that became exciting to these people. And then people started saying, you know what? Why don't we do photographs? Why don't we do music? And this whole space um, became very exciting. So now we're seeing tweets that are being sort of sold as NFTs. We're seeing trading cards. There's really millions of items right now that are available for sale. I think a, a New York Times writer sold one of his articles or a tweet promoting an article or something like that. So it, it does seem like it's essentially anything that exists online can be kind of packaged up as one of these things. You know, I'll say Michael Barbaro, who, who you're referring to, who did that from uh, the daily New York times. It's really funny to hear his story because as the price of Ethereum goes up, the value of what he sold goes up. So now it's above a million dollars. Um, and, very beautifully it was all for all for charity so none of that's going into his pocket and that is a whole nother um arm and world of the nft space and deregulated uh currency and giving access to places that might not be able to sell typically and be able to get them funding um and i just want to mention that that of course exists too um, but our our real first interaction with it with it is from the artist perspective. And these are also people that need to make an earning and a living. And there's a place for us in the promo world to help them out. And we'll get into that. Uh, and it's cool too, because, you know, too often online for 
you know, the decades that the internet has existed, it, you see how easy it is for something that someone creates to just kind of the, the creator, the maker gets lost in translation. You see people reposting and then, you know, it's, so this, this is, I thought that was one of the coolest aspects of it was it, it, you know, returns that, that ownership of content and creative materials and everything to the, the creators, which it's always good to see, you know, creative people getting actually compensated for their work, which is nice. Um, but as far as we can tell, you know, Barker is, you, know, you guys are one of the first companies in our industry, if not the first, that's really doing anything with NFTs um, and experimenting with their applications for promotional marketing. When did you guys first realize the potential here and how did you decide, okay, this is something we really want to try? Yeah, so Sean, so I started learning about NFTs the end of last year. And I was on a ski trip with uh, my sons, Max and Harrison. And I asked them what they knew about NFTs. And at the time, we also got involved with this social media application called Clubhouse. And NFTs happened to be one of the hottest topics on Clubhouse. So the way our minds work is that as we hear about anything or learn about any, any idea, we always think, is there an application to the world of promo? What, you know, because we do believe that um, promos are a tangible expression of a company's brands. And we do believe that there's, you know, we could always find some, some connection. So I started going in these rooms on Clubhouse and I would share with the artists and we got to know many of them. I'd say, so what, what happens next? What happens when there's no more art to sell? Have you thought about other applications of using the NFTs? And everybody said, no, 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 no. I said, what are you thinking, Jerry? And I would say, you know, I see a tremendous application in marketing and a promotional market in promotional marketing and advertising. They'd be like, wow, that'd be so cool. And I'd be like, you know, you know, we guys, we got to think beyond art. You know, art, art was sort of the easy understanding of NFTs. But as we think further about what we're actually accomplishing with NFTs, we realize that the applications extend much greater. And this is something we're gonna be talking about. Um, but a lot of people don't see that because they just, because everything in the media is NFT and art, NFT and art or music. So as we started coming up with ideas, we got more and more excited about it. So I ended up writing an article, um, promonfts.com and I started sharing it with customers and clients more so they would get an understanding of what's going on because it's really hard to sell something when nobody understands it. <laughs> And we also want it to be very transparent in the industry because we also recognize that with things that are new like this, and I've seen this having been in the business for all my life, that there's always a certain amount of people that will come out and sort of, um, I use the expression, bamboozle other people into thinking that they're creating something new or interesting. And uh, we do care about people. We do care about other distributors. And we want to make sure everybody had a good understanding of what is going on because we think this is going to be so ubiquitous this is going to be all over the place, that the more people learn and understand it, the easier it's going to be to sell the concept and apply many of the creative applications that we are developing. Once we discussed the world of NFTs and all the possibilities out there, uh, my dad just kind of ran wild with it. Um, just straightforward, uh, digging into what the main conversations are around them. Clubhouse is a, pretty much the central talking point for them and where all the innovation was happening. And it, it was really, really inspiring to see somebody just go for something into the unknown. Um, but it was yet another cool example to see leadership and how you do run a business and how you do keep, a, keep an organization innovative. So Sean, so Barker's specialty 
has always been, and a lot of people don't realize this, but we've all, all often been the paradigm changer in the industry. For example, uh, my father came up with the idea of having a showroom in the 1960s. Back then, virtually nobody had a showroom. Everybody just said salespeople go out with a catalog and samples. No one would ever visit a showroom. It's a waste of time, waste of expense, and don't do it. Um, we built the largest showroom in America. We had people come from all over. And it became a thought center, not only for customers, but for our salespeople. And people would come. And today, you notice just about every promotional products company has a showroom, but, but, you know, so no, but nobody thinks that there was a time when it didn't exist. Um, you know, we have four full-time artists here. You know, back in, back in the day, nobody had an artist. Um, it was all the factories would do the artwork, but that was something that we changed. We started screen printing and doing some of our own manufacturing in the 70s. Um, you know, that was something that people didn't do. Um, yes, we're distributors. Yes, we rely on our suppliers, but we never want to say no to our customers. So as we got into these spaces, we would do more and more business with our suppliers um, in the industry, but we would never have to say no to our customers. And uh, even, you know, with online catalogs, we were one of the first to start doing that. Um, and, uh, and we're thought leaders in that space. So we don't mind taking risks and we don't mind coming up with new ideas. And you know, there's expressions about failure that sometimes you learn by failing. Um, fortunately, many of these big risks we've taken have been successful. So we are very excited about the NFT space. We're certainly selling promo every single day, um, but this is just another, uh, as, as we like to say, another arrow in our quiver. Uh, that's the analogy I was going to use too. You took the words right out of my mouth. Um, so, so how are you? How exactly are you guys using NFTs so far? I mean, I was I was reading in Hartford Business Journal, I think it was, uh, that you created one called the Ramp Walker, and I, I believe that was the first one that you sort of put out there. So, it's, can can you talk a little bit more about that and just you know anything else you guys are doing with them? Yeah. So this will sort of lead into why we're excited about this and what can be done. So, for example, just take a whole another step in the future. Um, we think that things will be created, created as NFTs, like wills, for example. For example, you know, right now, if you go to your lawyer and to have a will made, it's perfectly uh, easy to do. But you know what? Why not have it as an NFT that's in your crypto wallet? And we believe that five years from now, everybody will have a crypto wallet. Um, and, and the will could be in there. You know, let's say you go to the dentist. You go to the dentist once a year and you have x-rays done and your dentist uh, you know, moves over time. Nobody has access to their 30, 40, 50 years of x-rays. These would also be in your crypto wallet. And, and what's going to on the blockchain so they can't be changed and they're unique, but they can be added to. We think the same with title to a car. I just bought a new car. I can't find the title. You know, It would be great if that was part of my crypto wallet. So just going back now to promotional products, the first application we saw was a family museum that we had, that we have, where we have thousands of very valuable antique toys that people love. And we realized that people don't have access to these toys. You can't get them, but we could actually mint them, minting is the word for producing, as NFTs and sell them. And we created some great videos of these NFTs with music and movement, and we have them available for sale. Um, we went to uh, one of our great uh, relationships, a uh, Celebra Ducks. They're actually a vendor in the industry. They create these iconic ducks with 
face, facial features. And we went to him and said, you know what? You know, let's increase your collector base of young people. We'll do digital uh, imaging of these celebrants and we'll start minting these as NFTs. And we'll actually converge the digital and the physical. When somebody buys Celebrity the NFT, they'll also get a signed physical duck to go with it. So then the next, oh, and, and there's more I'll add to it, but then the next question comes, what do people do with these NFTs? And that's often sort of the stopping point for most people. You know, what's the good of having it? Well, obviously somebody must think that spending $69 million for Beeples or spending 280,000 for LeBron's uh, dunker, 2.5 million for Jack Dorsey's tweet. Some people must think that owning something um, and owning it uniquely, being the only owner is valuable. And that gets into actually the psychology of collecting. You know, people feel good about being the owner. I'll share a fun analogy with you, Sean. Um, if you've ever been to Paris and been to the Louvre, you get to see the Mona Lisa. And it's a very small painting and it's behind glass and hundreds of people are crowding around it. What if I said to you, Sean, that you can be the owner of that, that painting, the Mona Lisa, but in perpetuity forever, it's gonna stay in the Louvre because just, it would be so cool to be able to walk in and say, that's mine. Right. Well, we see a world where people will actually go, you'll go into your house and you'll have a TV screen that you paid $300 for. And on there will be the NFT that you like. That's your artwork. And that's no different than going to a gallery today and spending $10,000 or $50,000 or $500 for a piece of artwork. Right. And that, I was going to say, that's like the, the whole, you know, the idea behind collecting, like you hit on it perfectly is that, you know, having that ownership of something is, is huge. And that's just kind of a natural human instinct that you want to hit to, you know, be a part of something by owning it and being the sole, sole owner of it. I think that's great. Yeah. And, and so then, then there are uses for this. Um, some of these NFTs are very creative. They'd be very cool art to have on your wall. Um, and Max will talk about how you could have them in your, in your virtual home as well. Um, but once again, to go into someone's house and see this thing and know that you, you own it, even if somebody else has a copy of it, just like if you own the Mona Lisa, there's still hundreds of thousands of copies but you know that, that it's yours. Right. Then, then, of course, next comes the whole idea of potentially selling it and making money on selling it. And as Max said, um, the currency, the cryptocurrency used to buy these also varies in price, which sometimes elevates the value of these. But actually, other ideas we have um, in the promotional world are fundraising. This is going to be very exciting. Uh, organizations need to raise funds selling NFTs of their products, their dancers, their music, their architectural buildings are going to be very exciting and it's going to happen. In the recognition world, I, we see you know, people giving a crystal award, but also minting an NFT about that also being given to the people. And we also see in this world that we live in of international companies, how much easier it's going to be to transfer an NFT to someone overseas versus shipping a crystal award or something else uh, with all the problems that are associated with it. I could go on and on and on. Max, anything you want to add to that? No, I'll add, I, in a recent vendor presentation, uh, you know, they were kind of in a fun way, knocking 
crystal awards and trophies and these types of things and saying, you know, here, you know, we could do one-off wonderful full color products as awards and hundred percent true. We just need to keep in mind, there is something magical about a sparkly coin trophy award and whatnot. And really where NFTs, my first real interaction with realizing all this was in a virtual reality headset, the Oculus Quest 2. You can buy it on Amazon for about 300 bucks. And it's a serious, serious view into the future of what is only becoming more and more normalized. And Oculus is owned by Facebook, by the way. Um, and I play this game and I get to the end of it in this, I open this box in this beautiful, shiny 3D coin rises out of the box. It's spinning, glistening slowly and so high resolution. You can see all the little, little, uh, the indents and accents on the rent, the whole thing. And there was a younger user on the team and he was like shouting, Oh my God, that's so cool. I want that so bad. And I saw, Holy schmoly, this is the future and upcoming generations. This is not futuristic to them. This is what they know. Um, so people want to be able to display this stuff in their virtual worlds and homes. And um, I'm, I'm big on the, the award aspect. I think every award should be paired with an NFT version of it. Totally doable. Um, and fundraising, huge. The international shipping too, just with the recent order I had. Um, great point, Dad. Yeah, especially now with the way that shipping is, which is all bets are off in the, in the supply chain. Um, so you hit on on some of those ways that um, you know NFTs could work together with physical promotional products. I think that stuff's really cool. Um, but you also, I, I thought it's it's really interesting that it's clear that you guys think that this has legs. That this is something like you said it, Max. That to, this might be futuristic to to us, but to you know, these younger generations coming up, this is just going to be normal. This is this is what they know. Um, but you know, there is, I guess, this the possibility that that with something like this, that it's, uh, it could be a fad that disappears, you know, a few months, years, whatever. Um, but I just really respect your philosophy here, which seems to be, this might be a risk, but, you know, we're in a position to blaze a trail and kind of be first to market and, and, you know, educate our customers and the industry on this, um, which is, is fantastic. Can you speak to that at all? Absolutely. You know, Sean, I like to make analogies because I think they help us understand things. So I remember when the microwave oven first came out. Do you know why the microwave oven was invented? I don't actually. <laughs> it was invented to accelerate cooking. Okay. Able to take a roast beef and have it cooked in the microwave oven in five minutes versus two hours in the stove or whatever. I don't even know how it's, how it's cooked. Or you could like broil a steak in like 30 seconds instead of 10 minutes. Do you know anybody who cooks in a microwave oven? <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know if I want to know anybody who cooks in a microwave oven. And neither do I. Do you know anybody who doesn't have a microwave oven? No. Every single person. They, they come standard in houses. Right. And people use it for reheating, defrosting, and for years people use it for popcorn until it's found out to be unhealthy. But the point being is that that was an innovation, an invention, that the use of it was not correct at the time that it was developed. But over time, it became, once again, ubiquitous. Everybody has it. And the same is going to happen with NFTs. You know, right now, people just think about art. But as they think about other applications, 
and they think about what's going to go in their crypto wallets. And I'll give you another one. And I'll give this to every distributor listing right now. I will bet that within a year, every university that graduates students and has diplomas for those students will also allow them to get their diplomas as an NFT. And you know what? That's going to be like a very cool thing that they'll always have with them and can never be changed. And I think that also might go with, you know, baby pictures. It might also go with, uh, I think when you get married, your uh, wedding photographer is going to say, would you like me to mint an NFT for you? And it just goes on and on and on. It's a very creative thing. And it doesn't detract at all from the promotional products industry. As a matter of fact, as I mentioned, I think it could add to it. And I think for distributors, it could add the opportunity to sell other items. Because once again, if people are going to like this product, they might like, it might give you an opportunity to sell a, a physical item. And it might get you into spaces as a thought leader and a creative person. You know, generally, uh, promotional products distributors, including us, are reactive. That's just the nature of our business. We react to the suppliers coming up with new ideas. And then we jump on them. It's very rare we actually become proactive with creative thinking. And this is something, this is an opportunity for all of us. Will it be a fad? You know, I hope not. Um, but I really think that there's something here for the long haul. All right. So we're coming up on time here. I don't want to keep you too much longer. This is all in incredible stuff. Uh, and I really appreciate you coming on to share. Um, so I'll, I'll let you go on this. You know, what's next? Do you have any projects coming up involving NFTs or just, you know, anything else that, that's exciting that you'd like to talk about or that you want to add? So I want to start again. I think two things are, uh, are of great interest. One is, um, and this now, you have to have an understanding of cryptocurrency, but we're working on a payment platform for, for us to use and potentially for other distributors to use to be able to accept cryptocurrency for their, for whether for their online stores or for their payments uh, to their business. And once again, cryptocurrency is, a, is, is sort of something very interesting. A lot of people don't understand it. I make another analogy, Sean. I said, I've watched television for many, many years. I still don't understand how it works. <laughs> you don't have to understand something to, to be able to use it. Um, and another platform we're working on is a charitable platform that's going to provide education and resource and the opportunity for charities to make money. And we're also going to have that available for distributors to participate in. So yes, there's a lot of things we're working on and we're very excited about it. Max? We've been building relationships with different artists who understand the NFT process. And then at the same, at the same time, anyone who's a great digital artist who might not understand it yet, it's something for them to learn about as they have a lot of value to bring to us and all the distributors out there. And as we all know, nothing in life is free except promo. Um, how does one actually give a, how does a uh, company actually give out and distribute an NFT and how do people actually receive this thing? Right. And just the forward looking reality where I believe in is that like everyone will have a crypto wallet when you enroll at said university, when you sign up for your job and you start onboarding at your new uh, employer Etc. Just like you get your give your street address, your personal cell phone, personal email, you will also give 
your Ethereum wallet address or whatever wallet is the, uh, is the norm at that time. And uh, this is all, this is all likely, this is all really happening. And, uh, you know, appreciate everyone who's leaning in and helping push it forward. Fantastic stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. Fantastic stuff. Um, I, again, really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedules to be here with me today. Uh, incredible stuff that you guys are doing. Keep blazing a trail and, you know, maybe we'll check back in with you in a little while and see, see what else is new and what else you have going on. But best of luck to you guys. All right. That is about all the time we have today on this episode of the Promo Marketing Podcast. Uh, if you like what you heard, please leave a review on Google Play, uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, did I get that right? Is that Apple Podcasts? Apple Podcasts I always, always mess that one up. Yeah, I got it. You Apple got Podcasts, it. Google Play, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also check us out on Spotify and uh, pretty much everywhere else. And as always, if you have any tips or comments, you can reach us on Twitter at promo underscore marketing. Thanks for listening, everybody. For Brendan Menetates, I am Sean Norris, and this is the Promo Marketing Podcast.